Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Amen. I would invite you to open your Bible or your device to Daniel chapter 6 as we continue in this Old Testament prophetic book. It's an amazing book. And you'll remember just a few chapters ago, we saw arguably one of the greatest Bible stories that you probably heard as a kid in Bible school, or maybe if you had parents taught you Bible, uh, Bible stories, or if you went to Sunday school. And that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, today we're going to see another of one of the greatest Bible stories in all of the Old Testament, which is called The Lion in Daniel's Den. Now, some people call it Daniel in the lion's den, but that ain't right. If you read the story, you'll find out that really the lions just hung out in Daniel's den. And I want you to understand something. When the world seems to cast you in a den not of your liking, in a place that you didn't choose for yourself, in a circumstance or an environment that seems hostile, unfriendly, or just simply against you, I want you to understand if you're a child of God, Whatever that circumstance is, is just hanging out in your world, hanging out in your den, and God has you in the palm of His hand. That's incredibly important for you to understand that God never lets go of you. He always has you, and He's always in charge, even when it seems uh, like the world is kind of coming unglued. Now, here's what's cool about chapter 6 and chapter 7. Chapter 6 is the last of the chapters of historical narrative talking about real live historical events that took place about 2,600 years ago. Chapter 7 through 12 begin the prophetic or the eschatological series of those chapters. But here's what's amazing. Chapter 6 is all about a guy named Daniel and God being in his world. Chapter 7 is world history, all about God knowing and being in charge of the world. Now, here's what's neat. Both of them got the same amount of airspace. They both got a chapter. Now, what that says to us is God is intentionally um, um, focused on the globe, but he also has an intentionality in terms of every human being that walks on the surface of his globe. And that's good news. We can be encouraged. Some of you came today maybe discouraged by whatever it might have been. Maybe your workplace is hard on you. Maybe you have a situation in your home that's difficult. Maybe the election didn't go your way. I don't know. Whatever the reason, maybe you came discouraged. I don't pick the sermons to go for a Sunday. We go through books of the Bible. And this chapter is for this week, for this church, and for you. And so the title of the message is this. Now bear with me. God's man for God's plan. Now, ladies, I know some of y'all just thought, ah, talking about the men. Okay, this is gender neutral. This is for women and girls as well. It just so happens that the key figure in this chapter is really God, but the key human figure is a man named Daniel. But he could have inserted a, a woman in this place. He could have called, we would call it uh, God's girl for a messed up world. Okay, so it works for all of us. I want you to know no matter who you are, what gender you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what you think you do or don't bring to the table, this message is for you. Tell the person next to you, he's talking to you. Now, point number one is this. Provision comes from another level. Provision comes from another level. You need to hear that today. 
Because I have friends of mine who uh, everything hinges on who sits in the Oval Office. And there's going to be a different bird sitting in the Oval Office. And, and, and I can call Biden a bird because Trump's a bird. Okay, they're both. You can't get good people to run because they run them through the meat grinder, right? And, and so, so people, they start worrying about things. I want you to know today provision comes from another level. Now, in this, in this book called Daniel, let's look and see what it says in verses 1 through 3. It says, so it seemed like a good idea to Darius to appoint over the kingdom 120 satraps who would be in charge of the entire kingdom. Then he says, over them would be three supervisors. One of them was Daniel. These satraps were accountable to them so that the king's interests might not incur damage. Now this Daniel was distinguishing himself above the other supervisors and the satraps for he had an extraordinary spirit. Just remember that, an extraordinary spirit. In fact, the king intended to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Now, what's happening here is, is there's a new regime. There's a new sheriff in town, okay? And Cyrus is over the Medes and the Persians in history. And so he moves in and he takes over Babylon. You'll remember they drained the river, the Euphrates River, walked in in shallow water and, and took captive this fortified city called Babylon. So there's a new king over this thing. And so Cyrus is the king and he puts in place a guy named Darius or Darius, which we'll get to in a minute. Darius is an administrator, all right? He comes in and he says, if we're going to do this thing well, it's buzzing a little bit. Tra turn me down a little bit, Travis. Uh, he, he, if we're going to do this thing well, we're going to hold, uh, we're going to orchestrate this thing and administrate this thing well. So he says, I need 120 leaders. These, these would be like governors, okay, and the, or princes. And we're going to put them in place having leadership over groups of people. And so the next tier, I'm going to put three, we would call presidents, okay, over those 120 uh, governors. And out of those three presidents, we're going to assign one to be over the whole thing. And he's going to be like a prime minister. Daniel is the guy. So keep in mind, Daniel's a furner, okay? He's an import. He, he's not from there. They shipped him over from a thousand miles away, listen, about 75 years earlier. So as a 15-year-old boy, he gets transported into a new place, and he's been rising in responsibility ever since. Because why? Scripture says he had an extraordinary spirit. Something about him was different. And so he rises to the top. Now, I got to pause and digress a little bit because this is, this is kind of funny. I, preparing messages, I get to learn stuff every week. And so this is kind of cool. So in the Scripture, it refers to this guy named Darius or Darius. And for scholars who are liberal, who really don't want to believe this book in its entirety, so they look for reasons to, to discount certain chapters or stories, they discount this as just, it's, a, it's just a fable. It didn't really happen. Because in extra-biblical writings, there's no guy named Darius. No Darius, okay? In extra-curricular writing... There is a guy who is sent in as a transitional leader to be over the change, and his name is spelled like Subaru. But it starts with a G. So his name is Gubaru. If my name was Gubaru, 
I would change my name to Darius. I would change my name to anything but King, Leader, Guru. It just does not come with authority. Anybody in here interested in changing your name to Guru? No, it doesn't work. It does not work. And, and it's true. Extra biblical writings refer to a guy, which it may have been Gubaru, but we don't call a Subaru a Subaru. We call it a Subaru. So the leader's name was Guburu, and that's why he changed his name. Also, there's another thing about this idea of Darius or Darius, that it is a, it is a surname like Caesar is to Augustus. So you got Caesar Augustus. The king would be called Darius Cyrus or Darius Cyrus, okay? And so, but there's a real figure here who comes in, and the point of, I just needed to dispel that. In case you're talking to somebody and they throw you some, uh, some Hebrew theology that's baloney, oh, is what that is, okay? There's a real guy, and he picks Daniel. Daniel rises to the top. Now, what made Daniel rise to the top? How did Daniel know, oh, there's a new king? Oh, that's cool. I'll just report to this king, and I'm not worried about it. How can you be in a place today where there's a new president? Or maybe there's something in your world that's changing. How can you be comfortable with that? How can you press through that and find peace in that? Because your provision comes from another level. No different than Daniel. Daniel got it. How did he know it? He had lived it. He had walked it. He had experienced God in his life. Not just that. There's another contemporary prophet whose name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah wrote scripture. He wrote a prophetic book. And, and, and Daniel would have had access to that book. Well, in, 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 uh, in Daniel, let me go back. In Daniel, you remember what Daniel said about where his, where, who was in charge. Daniel chapter 2, he said, uh, Let the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. And then he said, He, God, He changes times and seasons. He deposes or kicks out some kings. He establishes other people to be king. He gives wisdom to the wise. He imparts knowledge to those with understanding. So you remember how this chapter started out, chapter 6 says, it seemed like a good idea to Darius. It was not his idea. It was God's idea for Daniel to look good. Now let me explain something. When God has an idea, and he does, it's always a good idea, okay? In your life, God has ideas for your life. God has things he wants to uh, manifest and unfold and develop in your life. And they are good ideas because God's plan is always the best plan. Now, not only that, Daniel uh, was walking in this. Daniel had lived it his whole life. He's been walking in this thing. Now, Scripture uses these words, and it's, these are cool words. Extraordinary, extraordinary spirit, okay? It, it, was, it was like this. When somebody looked at the life of Daniel for the last 90 years, he's an old dude now, okay? 90 years, and he's still rising to the top as the best. He had this, something about him was different. He walked in the room, and he just smelled extraordinary, okay? He just looked extraordinary. He would speak, and extraordinary words of wisdom would flow from his mouth. There was something special. Now, when you look up in context in Hebrew, what that's talking about, it's the presence of the true and living God. In the New Testament, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, at when Jesus went back to heaven. And today, if we are children of God, adopted into the kingdom through Jesus, His Son, the Holy Spirit comes into our life when we're saved. 
The Bible says He seals us or He marks us, to, He identifies us with the Holy Spirit. And then He fills us inside. He takes up residence in our life. And so the extraordinary spirit today is the Holy Spirit. Your life, if you're a child of God, if you're saved, if you're born again, your life carries within it an extraordinary spirit. The Holy Spirit of God just goes with you. He takes, uh, takes up a home in you. You carry Him where you go. He helps you. He gives you wisdom. He imparts direction. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. Now, now it also means that He was of highest integrity. In other words, He just spoke the truth all the time. It, it means He was extremely consistent. It means He was, he was level-headed. It's no matter, oh, there's a new king. Okay. You're not worried about it? What can I do about it? You know? Everything was, 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 would just flatten for him. The, 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 the peaks and the valleys were leveled out because he had the Spirit of God upon his life. His, he had an attitude that was different from the world. He, he had a, a different view of the world. When the world is, 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 is screaming and hollering in, in madness, Daniel would stand strong and say, my provision comes from another level. Now, keep in mind, he, he's a, a Hebrew, a Jew in a foreign land. If anybody has a reason to walk away from God because of the circumstances of his life, Daniel's your guy. But he didn't. He hung in there to the very end. Now, ultimately, uh, the Hebrews would begin to get released within the first year of Cyrus's reign. You see... Daniel has been, had a hard life for the last 75 years. Sometimes life is hard. Amen? amen. If you didn't amen, we'll pray for you because it's coming. Okay? Sometimes life is hard. But I want you to know God is still on His throne. And He will use the difficulties of this life for His glory when we let Him. He'll bless us through the middle of difficulties if we allow it. So, so now for 30 years, uh, I mean, excuse me, he's 90 years old. For 75 years, he's been living in this foreign land. And so when I was reading this, I thought, he's 90 years old. That's kind of cool. That's an old dude. I'm 58. And I was thinking, I thought, man, that'd be cool if the Lord let me keep doing what I'm doing for, you know, till 90, you know. I mean, you may not want me to do it when I'm 90. You know, I'll wobble up here best I can, okay? If he'll give me clarity of mind and the ability to walk up on the platform, I'd like to be doing it. When I'm 90 years old, I have no retirement plan, okay? I want to just preach and lead a church until Jesus comes back for his church or takes me home. I think that, I, I like that. That feels good, okay? And when I read stories from the Bible where, where God uses people in their latter days as much as he does in their younger days, I'm encouraged. And you should be too. In fact, here's the spin. No matter where you are in your life journey, whether you're young, whether you're older, God wants to use you right now as if it's your last season in life. We should live our, li our lives as, as if we're just in the last month or two of our life. Because Jesus could come back for His church. There's nothing holding Him back. Or He could take us home. And so we should live our lives and make it count. I want to be that guy. So here's how it begins. Provision, understanding in this journey called life, our provision comes from another level. 
Got it? Got it. Number two, I want you to understand that politics are not new. I couldn't have I couldn't have written it and planned it out any better than God did for this week. Because, you know, we had an election this week. You probably figured that out. I'm glad it's over. Okay? I'm glad. I'm sick of it. Sick of the whole thing. Okay? But watch what happens. Politics, this thing's not new. It was happening 2,600 years ago, just like it does today. Watch what happens now in verse 4. He says, consequently, the consequences of Daniel rising to the top, being, quote, prime minister, leader over the other presidents, leader over the satraps, leader over all the land. uh, Consequently, the supervisors and the satraps were trying to find some pretext against Daniel in connection with administrative matters. But they were unable to find any such damaging evidence because he was trustworthy and guilty of no negligence or corruption. So these men concluded, we won't find any pretext against this man Daniel unless it is in connection with the law of his God. So these supervisors and satraps, they came by collusion. Bible word, heard that one lately in the last few years, collusion, Russia, Russia, Russia. Babylon, Babylon, Babylon. He sees nothing new. Isn't that amazing? All right, so collusion to the king. And they said to him, O King Darius, live forever. They're going to butter him up. To all the supervisors of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors, it seemed like a good idea for a royal edict to be issued and an interdict to be enforced. For the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human other than you, O king, they should be thrown into a den of lions. Now let the king issue a written interdict so that it cannot be altered, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be changed. So King Darius issued the written interdict. Now, here's what happens. They can't find anything wrong. They hate the fact that he's the leader. They don't like him. He's a foreigner. He's a transplant. He's a Hebrew in a Babylonian Medo-Persian world. He is a fish out of water. He went to the beat of a different drum. His drum was God's drum beat, and that's how he lived his life. They brought everybody in to investigate him. They ran him through the meat grinder. They said he's got to have some skeletons in his closet. They brought in the FBI, the CIA, the FOP, and probably the Cub Scouts. Anybody that can come in and sniff around to find something wrong with this guy, we're going to find something wrong so we can present it to the king and dethrone him. Does that not sound like 2020 to you? And this is 2,600 years ago. See, they're still doing it. They were doing it then. We're still doing it today. Jealousy and envy and pride all kicks in. And what we do is we begin with this thing called politics where we, we, we promote an idea and we don't even consider the consequences. If it's our own idea, something that, that will rise us to power. We don't worry about collateral damage or who it hurts. We just, we just all in this political thing and it's not new. Now, What's funny is just like Jesus in the New Testament, when he's being um, tried, there's no record of him testifying for himself. There's no record of him pushing back. There's no record of a tweet. There's no record of a Facebook post. There's no record of anything. He just takes what the world sends him. Why? Because he knows his provision comes from another level, and he understands that politics are not new. It's just a fact of life. Here's what he did, though. 
he realized that actions speak louder than words. Yeah, he was solid. He was legitimate. He was the real deal. His personality, his extraordinary spirit was the same on Tuesday as it was on Thursday, as it was on his holy day Saturday, as it was on Sunday. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't I'm a child of God on Sunday and I live like hell the rest of the week. It was not that. I, he was the same person all the time. We can learn a lot from that. God honors that. When we live, when we live with an extraordinary spirit before God every single day, now, this whole political thing and accusing him, because that's what they accused him of. They said, if we're going to get him, it's going to be because of his religion, because of his walk with God, because of his allegiance to God. You see, they knew he wasn't allegiant to Guberu. He was allegiant to God. You see, he didn't, he didn't go along with the crowd and, and, and worship this man leader when he had a God to worship. And that's who we should be. Now, you'll remember... That accusations and allegations, uh, defaming somebody because of their faith, it, it's still real today, 2,600 years ago. It happened as one example among many. Just a few weeks ago, you'll remember when they were confirming the Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Now, when they had her on for, up for trial or, or confirmation or whatever, there was a senator who, from California. Her name is Senator Dianne Feinstein. She's, she just kind of nauseates me, I'll just tell you. When I look at her, my face curls up, you know. she I have a very positive attitude when I see her. I just, ooh, okay. And, and it's not just because of her countenance. It's because of the vomit that comes out of her mouth when she speaks, okay. Now, you may be a fan. You may have her picture hanging on your door. When I was growing up, I had Fair Fawcett stuck on my door. You may have Diane Feinstein Stein stuck on your door, okay. Don't y'all be laughing about Fair Fawcett, okay. Now, maybe you think she's, she's great and awesome. That's great for you. I don't. And this is why. This is one example of what she said. She said the dogma. This is what she said about Amy Coney Barrett. She said the dogma of your dogma lives loudly in your life. And when I heard that, I said, like, hey, that sounds wicked. But I started investigating and thinking about it, pondering. What was she saying? She's saying that the, your tenets of faith, what you believe, your convictions, man, they live loudly in your life. Diane Feinstein was referring to Amy Coney Barrett's position regarding life, that she has a pro-life position. And, and she doesn't want abortion to be on demand as a form of birth control or convenience. And so that's what she was talking about. And I was thinking about it. You know what, church? We should live as individuals and as a church where our dogma lives loudly in our life. It, but here's the problem. We got a lot of chatter, man like Diane Feinstein, a lot of lip service, a lot of this, without a lot of actions to back it up. I remember when Kelsey was in high school. She was young in high school, and she was dating a little guy, and their relationship was a little rocky, you know, and they were fussing and stuff, and she was all disappointed. She was all, you know, disenchanted with the whole boyfriend-girlfriend thing. And, and we had a friend of ours. He's a golf coach at Tennessee Tech now, and he was a young guy. He was in college, and he was over at the house, and he heard her talking, and he said, Kelsey, you need to tell that guy that you need a little less talky-talky and a little more walky-walky. And what he, what he was saying to her, you need to tell him, shut it and move on. You know what? In our life, seriously, as Christians, we do need a little bit less talky-talky 
and a little bit more walkie-walkie. We need feet and handprints, fingerprints that make a statement to the world because they watch how we live our life. They can't make sense of what we're saying because the world is so full of half-truths, mistruths, and just downright lies. They don't know what to believe. But when they see somebody walkie-walkie that matches the talkie-talkie, then all of a sudden they're saying there's something extraordinary about that person. Now, we've, as a church, that's not who we are. It's unfortunate. We've moved from a church, from a people where the dogma lives loudly in our life to more of a jellyfish position. Kind of spineless and diluted and watered down and ineffective. That's kind of what the church unfortunately is. And primarily because we walked away from this book. Okay? And it's sad, but it's true. Over 4,000 churches will close this year in America. The last time. Probably 6,000 because of the COVID. Okay? Because we have lost our conviction. We've lost our place. And because of that, we've lost our impact on the world. So politics is alive and it's not a new thing. Now Daniel, he lived openly. He didn't care what anybody thought. Wouldn't it be good? Okay, let me back up. Have you ever had something that you was part of your life that you just exposed to the whole world, that you were just like, you know, this is who I am, you know? I mean, I remember growing up uh, in about the fourth grade, people could choose to be in the band, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. When I, was in, when I was in fourth grade, I wanted to be in the band. I wanted to play the drums. They wouldn't let me play the drums. Listen, you know why they wouldn't let me play the drums? My teeth weren't crooked enough. Have you ever heard of that before? I was like, what? Yeah, if, you, if your teeth are straight, you can, blow, you can play a horn. I'm like, well, I'll knock a tooth out. I want to play the drums, you know? And I didn't play the drums, and I didn't want to play a horn. So you know what I played? Nothing. I wasn't in a band, okay? And, and, and so all these kids started going to band, man. They were terrible. You know what I'm saying? Warming up. They would be at the concert, sound like they were warming up, okay? But they were out, man. I was in a band. Anybody in here in the band? Was anybody in the band? You can be proud. Yeah, I, I would have been in a band too if my teeth would have been messed up enough, Okay? We're in a band, and their whole life, man, they're proud to be in a band. Meanwhile, there's other guys, and they, they, they go, and girls, and they say, I'm going to play basketball. And they're on the team, man. And so, you know, they, they grow up, and they get an athletic jacket. Anybody get an athletic jacket? Did anybody else have it? <laughs> yeah. Man, it was a proud day when I put on my North Senator athletic jacket. I'm glad they didn't research to find out how much playing time was required to get a jacket. Okay. My jacket should have been made out of synthetic wool, okay? Because I didn't get any playing time. But we're proud. Listen, we're proud of all this stuff of who we are. Meanwhile, as Christians, as God chasers, we should let the world know our dogma should live loudly in our life so that when people start looking at our life, they notice there's something extraordinary. And it's not us. It's Him. Now, when they begin to search into his life, this is what they found. No sins of commission. In other words, nothing that he had done that he wasn't supposed to do. That's a sin of commission. No sins or errors of omission. Things he was supposed to do that he didn't do. They couldn't find anything. What they could find was a guy who wasn't willing to worship Guberu over God. And so... 
that takes us to the next, next place. And here's the question. Can that be said of you? Can that be said of you when people watch your life, they know your allegiance so much that they know your weakest point is the fact that you follow the true and living God. Number three, I want you to see this. This is the best. Maybe you didn't hear anything. Maybe you didn't listen to anything. Maybe I didn't communicate it well. I want to communicate this point well more than any other point. I want you to lean in and hear this point more than any other point because it will encourage you. Are you ready? Peace. Here we go. Peace comes in our patterns for living. Peace comes in our patterns for living. Now, some people have patterns in their life that don't generate peace. It generates turmoil. It generates difficulties. It generates depression and worry and anxiety. The patterns in your life are yours for the choosing. The patterns for life are the disciplines, the things that you routinely do every day as a pattern. And I want you to know with the right patterns in your life, peace comes in. I'm going to show you a good one from 2,600 years ago. Watch what happens now in verse 10. When Daniel realized that a written decree had been issued, he entered his home. And then it says, where the windows in his upper room opened toward Jerusalem. Three times daily he was kneeling and offering prayers and thanks to his God, just as he had been accustomed to do previously. Just as he had been accustomed to. This is what he did. This is who he was. Then those officials who had gone to the king came by, there it is, collusion, and found Daniel praying and asking for help before his God. So they approached the king and said to him, Did you not issue an edict to the effect that for the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human other than to you, O king, would be thrown into a den of lions? And the king replied, That is correct. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, he pays attention, no attention to you, O king, or to the edict that you issued. Three times daily he offers his prayers. Peace comes in our patterns for living. So here's what happens. They catch him praying. Why? Because that's what he does. He just found out, man, the deck is stacked against me. He just found out that they're going to feed me to the lions. What's he do? I think I'll go home. I think I'll go home, open the windows toward Jerusalem, and pray. Why? Because he had patterns in his life that developed peace. He was at a place in his life as a 90-year-old man that for the last 75 years in captivity, no matter who the king was, no matter what happened in his world, no matter the fact that he was transported a thousand miles from home, no matter the fact that he never got married because they made him a eunuch, no matter what happened in his life, no matter what winds of change blew, three times a day, I'll go home. I'll open up my windows toward Jerusalem. I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. He had patterns in his life that gave him peace. Now here's what's cool about that. Why did he open up the windows toward Jerusalem? Most commentators say it was because he still had faith that he would see a day when he and his people would be released to go home to Jerusalem. 75 years on his knees three times a day. 
And you get frustrated when God doesn't answer your 911 prayer. Are you serious? This guy, and I'm reading it. I'm thinking, he's 90 years old. He's getting on his knees three times a day. I'm impressed. It's, I'm 58 years old. Gravity has changed. I fall harder. I get up slower. Gravity is twice what it was when I was a kid. All right? And here is Daniel, 90 years old, and still three times a day, no matter what happens, <coughs> I'm going home. I'm going to swing open my windows, and I'm going to get on my knees because the whole world could be coming unglued at the seams. The whole world can be falling apart, coming to a, a mad ending. Huh. I got this little place. I got this place in front of my windows looking to Jerusalem. And I know three times a day, no matter what my schedule looks like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to open up my windows. I'm going to get on my knees. Listen to me. And when I get there, somebody's going to be there already waiting for me to get there. That's what a pattern for living looks like that gives us peace. Where you know, you know, I'm going to do this life. I'm going to do whatever God's called me to do. I'm going to do my responsibilities in my job and with my family. But three times a day, whatever my season, whatever my cycle, whatever my rhythm is, I've got this place that when I get there, God was already there. Ha! There you are looking for you. I want you to know, 2,600 years later, He's still the same God. He's looking for people who will develop patterns, disciplines in, a, in their lives where we can expect God. But more importantly, listen, He can expect us because we've been faithful. That's, that point to me rang my bell. How did He get there? How did He know that prayer was so cool that He could just talk to God and God would talk back? Okay, Because He's been living it in faith for 75 years. Not only that, there's a contemporary I mentioned earlier, Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote this, and Daniel would have had probably access to this writing. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29, When you call out to me and come to me in prayer, I will hear your prayers. I want you to know something today. No matter what's going on in your life, the God who created you is waiting anxiously to hear from you. He really does. I married a young couple just a few months ago, and in pre-marriage counseling, they were kind of talking about how they got to the place where they were going to get married. And she said, yeah, we hit this spot. It was rough. And she said, I didn't even like him. And she said, so I went home and I prayed, God, if I'm supposed to marry him, you better change him because I'm not marrying him like he is. And then she said, and we were separated for about a week, and he came back, and she goes, he answered my prayer. And I said, is that the first time you seemed a little startled? And she said, no, but not like that. And just obviously, that's what God does. He always answers our prayers. He may say, yes, I'm glad you asked. He may say, no, seriously, that doesn't align with my book. Or he may say, just wait. It's on the way. But he wants us to have this communication, this pattern for living that brings peace because he listens. Now listen to me. I love this. How do I know that God is anxious to hear from me? How do I know that God is anxious to hear from you? If you're saved, if you're a child of God. I raised two daughters. I, Kendra did. I was along for the ride. I drove the bus. Yeah. And from the time that we had our little girls and they started talking and they started saying, Daddy, I wanted to hear that name. 
I wanted to hear them call me daddy. I could take them to the playground. There'd be 20 kids. I could go on a field trip, which I did, with a bunch of little hellions just running around. And they could all be hollering and screaming and carrying on. I couldn't hear a word. It was just noise. But one of my little girls would say, Daddy. And my, their voice would cut through all the noise and penetrate my ear. And I would see what they wanted. It's never changed. They're grown now. Love them. Proud of them. They'll send me a text. And as soon as it's them, man, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. We're going to talk. They'll call me, and if I can't get to it, I'm calling them back. I want to hear from them. I want to have a conversation with them. Why? Because they're my children. And if you're saved, you're a child of God, adopted into His forever kingdom, and He wants to have a conversation with you. It doesn't stop there. Now I have grandchildren. I got three grandchildren, and, and two of them talk, and sometimes I don't know what they're saying. Okay, I listen intently. And sometimes I know, sometimes not so much. But I'm right there with them. And sometimes when we pray, God's probably looking at us thinking, I don't even know what you're saying, okay? But he's right there engaged in the conversation. That's what he wants from our life. So I'll close with this. This week was a, a, a big week in the life of our nation, in the life of us as individuals. Election took place. And it's over now, and I'm glad, really glad. I'm sick of it myself, okay? And, and I told Kendra, I said, I'm not... I'm not worried about it. She, she says, you, you're not worried about it at all, you know? I said, I'm not. Why? Because my provision comes from a whole nother level. And at the end of the day, this isn't the last election, and it's not the first. What has there been, 45 presidential seats, and he's 46 or he's 45, whatever it is? They've been some real bozos in that office, Okay. I'm not saying Joe Biden is. I don't know him. I think he probably is, but I'm not sure. The one that's leaving, he was bozo too. Okay? We've had some real doozies. You know we have. And we're still here. But we're not here because of the person sitting in the Oval Office. Our provision comes from another level. We're not here because politics is effective. Politics is nothing new. And then I want you to know how we navigate through the future, it's not based on an election, based on our patterns for living that bring peace. And I want you to know that God's not worried. I just like God, God never worries. You know, you're talking about He just never worries about anything because He's God. Okay? And we don't have to worry either because He's our God. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and you've heard about God. Maybe you've heard about His Son, Jesus. But you've never understood how you can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus said He's the only way you can. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you're here today and nobody's ever told you, I want you to know God loves you. He created you. He made you special with a purpose and a plan. And He loves you right where you are. But He loves you way too much to leave you there. So He, so he sent Jesus to die in your place for your sin to offer you a rescue from the brokenness of who you are 
to the righteousness of who he is. It's the most beautiful exchange ever offered. And if you're here today and you feel something deep within you, stirring you, inviting you into a place with God that you've never felt, that doesn't come from a preacher. That's initiated from the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to simply surrender to it. Say, God, <laughs> I didn't come here for that, but you got me. I will give you all of my brokenness because I can't fix it. In exchange for all of your perfection because you've offered it to me through Jesus on a cross. Come into my life. Save me. Make me your own. I give you all of me in exchange for all of you. Thank you for hearing my sinner's prayer. Thank you for choosing to love somebody like me so much that you would die to make me your own. Fill me with your spirit and help me live for you forevermore. If you just prayed that prayer, I would encourage you simply to make that public. You can let me know. You can come forward and we'll pray together. But for the rest of us who have already made that declaration that we want to be saved, that we want God to be our God, that we want Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior, our Master and our Forever King, I think it's time that we let our dogma live loudly in our life. I think it's time that we begin to establish patterns for living that generate peace in our life because the world is shaken all around us and we can be those who bring peace in the midst of a storm because we bring Jesus with us. Father, we thank you for being amazing. We thank you for being perfect. We thank you for being gracious and merciful and patient. We thank you for being the God of love that this world knows nothing about. We thank you that you reach from your throne in heaven through all of space and time into this moment and you touch our hearts and you invite us deeper and closer in to be with you. God, we say thank you for being a God. So good. Help us leave. Help us encounter the world in the coming week with a little less talky-talky and a little more walky-walky, empowered by your Holy Spirit so that when people look at our lives, they will think there's something extraordinary about the spirit of that person. And that extraordinary spirit is you. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for visiting with us. Thank you for giving, giving us your eternal word. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Hey, we're going to open the altar up. If you want to come and pray today, you can pray on these steps. If you need somebody to pray with you, just come to the altar. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. 
Until then, may God bless you.